Hi, I'm Sam Pador, and I'd like to welcome Paul Rogers. Paul was the lead singer for both Bad Company and Free, and he just released a solo album, Midnight Rose, that I gave a listen and I really enjoyed. So welcome, Paul. How are, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Sam. Fantastic. A beautiful day today. Well, that that's always a good thing, right? Can't complain about yeah. that. Uh-huh. Well, can you tell me a little bit about Midnight Rose? Well, where do I start? You know, actually, I could probably start with being locked down like everyone was, being stuck at home with an acoustic guitar. And I just suddenly everything, the whole business came to a screeching halt because all the shows were cancelled, you know, back way back, a couple of years back now, or a year and a half ago. And so I, I decided I would go through all the songs I had and write some more and just get them together acoustically. And having done that, I said to myself, well, I might as well go in the studio uh, and get a couple of guys together and see what we can do. So I called my rhythm section from my solo band, and that's Todd, uh, Todd Ronning and Rick Fedick, a drummer, like bass player and drummer. Todd Ronning is the bass player. Rick Fedick is the drummer. And Rick had sent me some... Uh, some music actually, uh, sorry, Todd had sent me some music um, and I said, this is great. Uh, and I, the, the first song that he sent me was, it turned into um, what was called Living It Up. It was an idea that I'd like to tell a story about, but it's a long story told in three minutes about my, my entire career really. Sure. And my love of American music, blues, jazz, rock and roll, of course, and soul and um, country and all that. So it was my thank you to America. But just backing up a little bit, um, I asked Todd, where did you record this track? Because it sound, these tracks sound really good. And he said, well, there's a guy called Ray Roper and he's moved just near you. He's just around the corner from you out there. And uh, he's, got a, he's a great guitar player and he has a, his own studio. So I thought, well, now there's a guitarist, a drummer and a bass player, and I do a bit of singing. Let's all get together and see what we do with these acoustic tracks. So that's how it started. And uh, and here we are today. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it certainly turned out, right? How long have you been working on it? Just since the pandemic or what? Yeah, about a year and a half. I think it, it maxes out as. Yeah, yeah. Oh, year and a half. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a, a good amount of time for a record. It's always impressed me how long you can like work on one project as a musician. It, it seems like a lot of patience. Well, it, there's a lot of patience involved, actually. A lot of people think if it's a five-minute song, why doesn't it take five minutes to record? <laughs> well, we wish. But it, there's a long process. You know, you have to get the right track to work on for start. You, it has to have the, that essential feel that you you kind of know is right. And then you work on that and you get the sounds and you do the overdubs. And I may do redo the vocal. Or we may redo anything on the track, but we it has to have that essence that uh, that I feel is has got that spark. So we felt I felt that with all of these tracks. And um, we put the bed tracks down in Ray's, Ray Roper's place, which is just around the corner from me. And then we moved the whole shebang to Vancouver at uh, Brian Adams' studio. And we um, we brought in Bob Rock and his cohort, who is uh, Randy Staub, who does mixing. And Cynthia was uh, Cynthia joined Bob Rock, and we produced it in the really good environment. It's all good environment, but really posh environment at um, Brian Elm Studio. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I I know you mentioned you um you wrote the stuff on acoustic guitar and you sang, of course. And uh, did did you play at all on the album, like the guitar? 
Yes, I did. Acoustic guitar. I played on uh, Melting. Mm-hmm. And I played on, I think, Dance in the Sun and a photo shooter. Yeah, I played throughout. Now, do you ever, like, is it a struggle to you to both sing and play at the same time? Like, is that a lot of thinking or is it just natural to you? Well, it's not a struggle too much, but I do prefer just to sing because it gives me more freedom to actually you know, participate and anticipate what's coming next and get ready for it and all that stuff. It's just, I think it's more relaxed if I'm just singing yeah. for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I listened to um, this record and I was I was so impressed. Your singing sounds exactly the same as it did, like on Bad Company and, and all that stuff. I was, I was so impressed there. Yeah. Well, I had a few health issues and I wasn't even sure if I, I didn't know what it would be like to get back on mic, mic again. And uh, it was wonderful when we did Coming Home was the first track we did. And to hear the band in my cans, you know, and we were all in the studio together, the four of us. And we, you know, we could see each other and, and, and uh, you know, uh, there was a lot of um, interaction between the four members of the band. So that was a really good feeling. And to be back there doing the song, it just felt great. So it was like almost natural for you. Good to be back in that environment. Well, after 50 years, it becomes a bit natural, you know. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it is. It's the environment I know and understand. Sure. Like, yeah. Well, so Sam, Sam, just for your listeners to understand, Paul actually had 11 minor strokes and two major strokes oy. and left him. They left him nonverbal and he had to relearn how to read and write and how to speak, uh, how to sing, of course, and, and how, how to walk to play. and talk, brush my teeth. Everything. Start again, you know. Yeah. Wow. So that um, that happened in 2019. So we weren't sure whether he would able be able to sing again or play guitar or piano or anything like that. So it really is a miracle album. This album. Yeah. And I'm... to have you know sounds so good. Thank you, my darling Cynthia. You're welcome. That's that's so impressive that that you like regained all of those abilities in what three four years. That's that's nuts. Well, it's you know actually we want to we did a TV show we wanted to uh, we want to give people hope that uh, you know often people you know I've met people that have had strokes and they've been completely debilitated they haven't been able to function and walk again it's crazy what happens to you you know so it was uh, and we did I did a hyperbaric treatment which is oxygen under pressure which was very helpful in in helping me recover because it oxygenates the brain. And um, and all the rest of your system, perhaps you know your your whole um, circulation. So uh, we, I wanted to recommend that to a lot of people. So that's why we came clean, if you like, about about my strokes, so that um, other people would know. You know, it's not the end of the world at all. It seems like quite a quite a lot of you know stress and worry um, to to have what thirteen strokes. That must have that must have been pretty terrible. Did did it affect like? Did it cause any of the song? Like, did you write any songs about it from this album? Oh, uh, well, not really. I mean, they they tell me I've had 13 strokes. I, I wasn't aware of all of them. I was only aware of the last two big ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just felt very strange a couple of times. You know, I felt like I was on stage or I was on stage and I felt the band wasn't in tune. I turned to the guitarist and I said, are, we, are you guys in tune? And they said, yeah, we're in tune, man, we're in tune. So, okay, you know, because it sounded like, it's, it's it's weird what it does to your brain. It sounds weird, but um, I didn't realize that that was probably probably a, a stroke. That that's really good that it it turned out well. I'm I'm happy for you. That that's a well, thank you, Sam. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, you're a young guy now. You're probably not even concerned. Yeah, I'm sure you're not even concerned about this. 
But, you know, everybody gets older. Mm-hmm. It's what happens. It's life, you know. And uh, it's good to know that there is that sort of help available. Yes, that, yeah. that is a good thing. Well, well, I have one one question here for you that I've actually been thinking about for, God, three, four years or something, which it, it's kind of funny um, to think back on this myself. Back when I was in online school, sitting on my little chair, tuned into my Zoom meeting, and of course I was listening to music because it, it's a way to, I don't know, keep you entertained. And I would always listen to, to Bad Company, right? That was a band I'd listened to a lot. And something I've always wondered about is you you got three kind of bad company things. There's the band, there's the album, and there's the song. Which bad company came first? Well, the uh, the song came first, I must admit. I, I saw an advert for a movie. Well, it was two things that happened. To, I saw this ad for this movie, and it was the picture was four like dudes on horses in Wild West, you know, Wild West guys. And they were riding towards the camera, you know, and and uh, and there was one of them was holding a gun, and the gun was like the turret of the gun became a, a huge cannon that opened out towards the the viewer, right? And I was so impressed with this visual image of these four guys and the, the name Bad Company. It was a movie, and then I remembered that I had seen a, a little book way back in the. My best friend Peter Smith had this, or their family had this book, and it was about Victorian morals, and there was a uh, there was like a punky sort of guy, but he was dressed up like a gentleman. He had a top hat on with a t- the hat popped out the top, you know, like this. And he had shoes on, but all, everything was everything was raggy. But he was kind of a, a, a pretend gentleman or a supposed gentleman or a, a, a wannabe gentleman, actually, what he was. And he's leaning on the lamppost, smoking a pipe. And he looks like a bad dude, really, you know. And so there's this very good boy looking at him, like a choir boy looking up at him with reverence, and it says, it says underneath, um, beware of bad company, <laughs> right? So it was like a moralistic thing they had this picture. And, I, and the two things came together at that point. I thought, well, I'm going to write a song called Bad Company. And at the time, Mick Ralphs and I were out at my cottage and we were writing songs and doing, get, getting prepared to form a band, actually, um, the prerequisite for Bad Company, what turned out to be Bad Company. And... Um, I called him up and I said, I just said, we were calling each other up with names at that point. We call each other with silly names like, you know, how about the four million air bubbles? No, not that one. <laughs> or how about whatever, you know. And I'd call him, I called him up and I said, how do make bad company? And he went, that's it. That's it. So then we, we, we knew we were going to call the band bad company. I haven't even finished the song at that point. But then that was the, we'd already got the name. So it kind of, um, gravitated together i i guess you could say but and then kirky came around sam and kirk came around and we finished the song together and he threw a few lines in and so we had the song and the name of the band we didn't have all the material yet but we were getting close you know and then it was just natural to name the album after both the song and the band right oh absolutely yeah 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 because yeah yeah yeah, yeah. What, what do you even call that song is it like the self-titled title track song like <laughs> that's uh it's something i've only ever seen with bad company it's it's really cool to me oh well yeah it's just the way things evolved you know well i noticed you're you're wearing that ring and i i read somewhere that that ring is on your your album right it's on it the, is, the cover yes, yes you... it is this album right here oh yeah that's the one 
what we're trying to do. We're trying to follow Elvis's message here. Huh. Take time to live. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good message. Well, yeah. Back, yeah. Back in the day when uh, Elvis was still alive, actually, um, my manager went to see Elvis at uh, the forum, I think it was. And um, he said, do you want to join? Come, we're going to see Elvis. And I said, I'd love to, but I have, I've already got a commitment. I'm going to be with someone up in the seats, you know. And um, But anyway, he came back with this, um, with this autograph from Elvis, and it said, to Paul, take time to live, Elvis Presley. I went, wow. Whoa. What does he mean by that, take time to live? Surely, surely he is living and I'm living, you know. But uh, I now know what that means because I think what one can do very easily is get lost in what, you know, in what you're doing, your career, I guess, you know, and whatever it is. And you can forget to like take time to live. It's a very good advice. And he passed three months later, actually. Wow. Yeah. 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 That must've been something cool to receive. Like that's, he wrote it to you. That's really cool. It was very cool. Yeah. Now, were you like a huge Elvis fan? Was he an influence of yours? I'd not really. It was before my time, to mm -hmm. be honest. Uh, my sisters, my older sisters were big Elvis fans, you know, and I was, I was sort of thrilled on their behalf. Uh, we had our own Elvis Presley in, what was his name? What was his name? Cliff Richards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not laughing. <laughs> in England, you know, he was our version of Elvis. I guess everyone has their version of Elvis. Because it's an enduring image, isn't it, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, I, I know something that happened with you is you, you formed your band Free when you were all teenagers, right? Yeah. How how would you say like being teens in in that band like affected your success? Um, it was a mixed blessing in many ways because we were we had a lot of success. Almost we weren't really ready for it. I do think. I not looking back, I do believe we weren't really ready for that much success. And all right now is still being played to this day, which is amazing. You know, it's such a long time ago that we recorded that and wrote it and everything. Um, so it was a mixed blessing, but we were very young. I think Andy Fraser was uh, f like 15, 16, something like that. He was, he had been with John Mills Blues Breakers and I was, I think I was 17. So yeah, it was an amazing rise because I came down to London when I was 17 and I met Paul Kossoff and we formed, we were the two guys that formed Free. Um, and then, you know, like it seems like a, a minute later we were at the Isle of Wight playing all right now. Although it was probably a year or two later. Yeah. Well, do you think like you it being that young like affected your decision making and how you like dealt with the the management of the band? Well, you know, we were too young to be like pre-programmed as to what things should be. Therefore, we had no fear, mm -hmm. right? No, so we just we just did what we did, and we didn't sort of say, "Oh, there's preconceived ideas. You've got to be this way. You've got to be that way." We said. No, we're going to be the way we are, and that's it. And they're going to like us or they're not. And it really, it was it was down to between ourselves and our fans, not anybody like executives or high-powered management to tell you what you should be like. You know, which is very often the way. You know, you know, you get high-powered people in high-powered positions in record companies and management, and and you know, they're established. They've done what they've done, and they've been successful with that. And now they want you to do exactly what they think you should do. But we said, no, 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 we're going to be free. That's what we're going to call ourselves, and we're going to be free. So that was the plan anyway. 
Oh, wow. So so the name came out of that whole ideology of, yeah, we're doing us, we're doing our thing. Well, yes, it did, because I remember the first rehearsal we got together. I was at the Nags Head in Finsbury Park in London, which is an upstairs room of a, a, a pub, basically. And uh, when we first went in there, we were four separate guys. Mm-hmm. You know, all, we were all blues players. We regarded ourselves as blues players. <laughs> okay. So when we get... But by the time we left after the rehearsal, we were a band. And in the middle of that rehearsal, a guy called Alexis Corner was a jazz musician, walked in with his family. And we were just doing Moonshine. It was a song called Moonshine. It's on the first album. For the first time, actually, it was written by myself and Paul Kossoff. And we were at the climb. I would sit here alone and cry, you know. And, and he walked in at that point. And we, we took a break then. And um, we sat around, you know. And he said, um, he said to us, well, you guys are definitely a band now. All you need is a name. And we all sat around scratching our heads and thinking, you know, yeah, we do. And um, he said, if this helps you, I don't know if this will help you, but uh, I had a band together with a guy called Cyril Davis, who was a blues harmonica player. And we had a band called Free at Last. So we couldn't call it Free at Last, but we could call it Free. And that's what we did. <laughs> we later on we paid homage to that by by naming one of our albums free at last wow yeah it's yeah. it's such like an encapsulating name and same with bad company it's like you hear that name and it's like whoa like th- these this is a band this is like you can almost tell it's kind of like a blues band just just based off of how i don't know it how it hits yeah well you do well you look for that in the name that's what you you actually look for it's it's something that uh it tells a story, you know, there are, there are certain book titles and there's like Feather on the Blade. I mean, that kind of thing just tells you an instant story. You know, it's like, it's this blade is so sharp, if you drop a feather on it, it will cut. You know, I heard that somewhere. And, and things like that, that have an instant poignancy, an instant uh, grabbing effect on your spirit, basically. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, Paul, I don't, I don't know if you, you would be interested in this at all, and I don't know if you, you have anything near you. But if you have a guitar or anything, would you be, be happy to, or would you be able to sing or play a little song from, from your new album for me? Maybe. Here, let me get. I close my eyes. Hold on my knees Almighty God Hear my pleas Get behind me Trouble times Get behind me Trouble times Wow. Well, thank you so much. Gosh, that was so cool. 
Yeah. Well, can you. can you tell oh, me? Oh, that was that was melting. Yeah. That was melting. All right. So how how did you write that song? What was your process there? Well, the first thing that came to me was the riff. I just like that because the strings ring so well. That's where it started, and it just built up from there, to be honest. Um, I don't know what the heck I was talking about. All that stuff. You know, it's um, it sort of sets a mood. Yeah, you kind of, you know, it creates a mood for yourself, for you, and you try to develop that into a working song, basically. Mm. And you imagine the drums coming in, you know, and the rest of it, and, and you build from there. Yeah, mm. wow. So I, I the, the way I wrote um, uh, this one. What I did was... Uh, it's only the title track of the album, isn't it? Midnight Rose. So it's a, it's a chord. If you tune the guitar to a chord, and this is an E major, <coughs> e major chord, and you hit the 12th fret, there's a harmonic there. If I could write a song just using those two chords, so I started. She looks so from there you know yeah so that's how that one came together wow i don't know how i don't know what the quality is like um, oh yeah um, it's uh the audio quality i guess zoom does some weird compression stuff but it sounded pretty uh, good <laughs> yeah well, well one last question i have for you here is i know you work a lot on your style and your your image can you tell me like how you like choose how you like like dress for public i guess like i see you're wearing that cool bandana and like a button down is that something you think about or is it just something that you end up doing oh cynthia we <laughs> well, my roadie will tell you all about that paul has a, paul has a very good fashion sense mm -hmm. and i tweak it <laughs> she tweaks me i tweak it yeah see like well she she actually so um you know when i started out i didn't think about my image as such at all none of us did we just you know, rolled uh, out of bed, we basically. rolled out of bed and jumped on stage basically with long hair and bill bottom jeans. That's what we wore every day. So we wore on stage what we wore every day. So that was our, you know, I suppose that was our image it was very natural. But as you get older, you have to take more care about how you look because you just do, you know, <laughs> you'll find, you'll find out. And I mean, the, the way you look now is weird. Like a lot of like, I hesitate to say kids. But kids on stage are, are doing the same sort of thing because it's just the style you, you wear. But as you get older, you have to think about it a little bit more. And so we try to present a pretty carefree image, don't we? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're pretty carefree. Yeah, it's you know what? It's a cool style. I, I notice every time I see a picture of you, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's Paul Rogers right there. That's him. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, I think. <laughs> 
Well, yeah. And I mean, thank you so much, Paul, for for coming on and talking to me here, getting to hear all your music story. And like even you playing for me is just it's been so cool. And thank you so, so Uh, much for giving me your time. Well, thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me on the show. It's very nice. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I'm Sam Pador, and I hope you enjoyed that interview with Paul Rogers. Paul just released his his album Midnight Rose, and yeah, you you heard some some him playing a little bit of it there, um, which yeah, that was pretty cool. But I I hope you enjoyed that interview with Paul Rogers. If you did, make sure to keep listening to my back pages on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and our website mybackpages.org. If you enjoyed it, make sure to keep listening for many more great interviews just like this one. <laughs>